Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the Sabbath for the land as we pick up in Exodus chapter 21, verse 2. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. They were to sow their land. The seventh year, the land was to just grow of itself. They were just to eat of that which came from the land. They weren't to sow it. They were to give the land a rest in the seventh year. They failed to do this, and God got after them later for their failure to do that. And inasmuch as for 490 years that they were in the land, they didn't give the land the rest, God said, you owe the land 70 years of rest. So you can stay in Babylon for 70 years and the land will get its Sabbaths that you robbed it of the whole time you were living there. And so God gave the land its rest, its Sabbaths, as he shut them up in Babylonian captivity for 490 years. But I believe that the pattern will also carry out that for six and this is in a thousand-year cycles, for six millennia, the earth will go on in the bondage to Satan, sold out by Adam. But the seventh millennia will be a restoration, the freedom, the return to God. Now, How long before Christ, Adam fell in the garden, we don't know for certain. Somewhere around 4,000 years before Christ, Adam turned this whole system over to Satan. Satan has ruled. We've been in bondage. But we look forward to that glorious 7,000th year when man has been delivered, when the earth has been delivered and will be restored and we will live and reign with Christ upon the earth for a thousand years in the glorious kingdom age. So this six and one pattern has been established by God I am convinced that it will also follow in thousand-year cycles and that we are coming extremely close to the end of Satan's reign and dominion and rulership over the earth and over man, that the day of redemption is very close. And that's what Revelation chapter 5 says is all about as jesus takes the seven sealed book the title deed of the earth and lays claim to that which he redeemed with his own blood and then in chapter 19 of revelation returns to establish god's kingdom upon the earth so it's a very interesting law now if he came If he was sold of a slave and he came in by himself, he will go out by himself. If he were married and his wife came with him, then his wife can go out with him. But if his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. 
The slave had no rights at all, no rights of possession. Therefore, if you were sold as a slave, and while you were a slave, your master gave you one of the other slave girls for your wife, and you've had a couple of children, now the seventh year has come, it's time for you to go free. You can go free, but you can't take your wife and children because she belonged to your master, and thus the fruit that has come from your relationship also belongs to him because you had no rights of your own of possession while you were working for him. You say, well, that seems very hard and cruel. Yes, it does. And it's hard for us to even imagine such a thing. But if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the gods, the Elohim, translated judges, correctly so. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So you, you've had your wife and your children say, hey, I love this. I love my master. He's treating me good. I love my wife. I love my children. I, I don't want to go free. I'll, I'll, I'm, I want to serve him. Then he brings you before the judges, and there your master takes an awl, and he runs the awl through the lobe of your ear, and he pins you to a post with that awl. And then you would put a gold ring, as a rule, in the pierced ear, which was the sign of a slave by choice. It, it indicated that you, you had, it, it, it was a slave by choice. You had willingly submitted to this life of slavery. Now, there is an interesting prophecy concerning Jesus Christ that declares my ear hath he pierced. So Christ, in a figurative sense, had a pierced ear, inasmuch as he by choice submitted to the will of the Father, who being in the form of God and thought it not robbery to be equal with God, yet emptied himself, became of no reputation, humbled himself, and became as a servant, the pierced ear servant. It was service by willingness. He willingly submitted himself to the Father's will to serve. And thus the prophecy, mine ear hath he pierced, referring to Jesus Christ and his serving of God. Now, in a figurative sense, I have a pierced ear in that I am glad to take the title of Chuck, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. It's slavery by choice. I don't have to serve him. I don't have to be his slave. I want to be his servant. I want to be his slave. I really want everything that I possess and am to belong to him. 
not to lay claims to things for myself, but what I am and what I have are his, the pierced ear, and all of the New Testament writers beginning their epistles would write, Paul, a bondslave of Jesus Christ, Peter, a bondslave of Jesus Christ, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. They loved the title. And I know of nothing better that could happen to any of us than just to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a servant by choice. Oh, that he would bring us to the post and run the all through our ears that we might demonstrate that we are servants by choice. It isn't forced upon us. We don't have to be. But I love him. I love my master. No one's ever treated me so good. I've never had it so well. I love serving him. And thus, it is the choice of life. And the choice of being a bond slave was irrevocable. That was it. Once your ear was pierced, that was a choice of life, an irrevocable choice. And so the law of the servant. And if a man sell his daughter to be a maidservant, she shall not go out as the men servants do. And if she please not her master, who hath betrothed her to himself, then shall he let her be redeemed. But to sell her to a strange nation, he shall have no power, seeing he hath dealt deceitfully with her. So it's the idea of actually a men bought their wives in those days, and they became like a servant or like a slave practically. You bought her, she belongs to you. And so they had this form of dowry. And if you, and if you took a wife, you, you paid the dowry. Now a dowry wasn't such a bad deal. Actually, what a dowry was, was alimony in advance. The father would figure how much it would take for her to live. If you should decide you don't want her after you're married, because divorce was quite easy. Find out once I've purchased her, I don't like her. Then let her be redeemed. She doesn't have to stay there and take my guff forever but I don't have any right to sell her to a strange nation. But she should have the right of her dowry. She can live off of what I paid to get her in the beginning. If she please not her master who hath betrothed her to himself, then he let her be redeemed. Verse 9, And if he hath betrothed her unto his son, he shall deal with her after the manner of daughters. And if he take him another wife, her food, her raiment, and her duty of marriage shall he not diminish. In other words, he's got to go ahead and pay her alimony and take care of her and so forth. And if he do not these three unto her, then she shall go out free without money. So it was tragic, but that's the way their customs were in those days. Women had very little rights, so you've come a long way. Why have you come a long way? Because of Jesus Christ. Hey, women still have it tough in a lot of cultures. If you don't believe it, you just go to some of these other areas. New Guinea, Guatemala even, close by. Look at the lot of the Bedouin women. Man, they have it tough. 
you women can be thankful for what the Lord has done in liberating you. It is actually because of Jesus Christ and His declaring that we are all of us children of God and in Christ there is neither male nor female. The distinctions are broken down. It is Christ that has put us all on an equal footing and an equal plane and has taken away any concept or idea of a superior sex. That God favors men over women or vice versa. It doesn't exist. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And it is the Christian ethic that has done so much to give the woman the rightful place of equality with a man, but such does not exist in cultures where the Christian gospel has not had a strong influence. Now we deal with assault and battery and murder, manslaughter, first and second degree in manslaughter. Now he that smites a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. And if a man lie not in wait, but God delivers him into his hand, then I will appoint thee a place whether ye shall flee. So if you, first of all, are guilty of just plain murder, capital punishment. But if it was accidental, or just not a premeditated thing, then God was going to appoint a place where you could flee and be safe. There were called cities of refuge that they established. And you could flee to a city of refuge, and there you would be safe from the avenger. Now, if you would kill my brother, then I would be obligated to kill you because you killed my brother. So if it were an accident, and yet I'm mad at you because you were foolish in doing it, and I, I'm, I'm wanting to get retribution and kill you, you could flee to a city of refuge, and, and, and there you would be safe, as long as you stayed in the city of refuge. But if you came out and I caught you, then I could kill you. But you had to stay in that city of refuge, so God appointed these city of refuges at strategic points in the land when they came into the land. So God is promising that this, these city of refuges would be appointed. Now if a man come presumptuously upon his neighbor, this would be premeditated. Your, your purpose of coming is to slay him with guile, deceitfulness. Thou shalt take him from mine altar that he may die. In other words, you may even flee to the altar of God, but they can take you right from the altar of God and kill you, because yours was a premeditated action. And now several things for which capital punishment was to be given. He that smites his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. The law said, Honor thy father and thy mother. He that stealeth a man and sells him, or kidnappers, or if it be found in his hand, he shall surely be put to death. He that curses his father or mother shall surely be put to death. They didn't have nearly the problem with juvenile delinquency 
in those days that we have today. And if men are fighting together and one smites another with a stone or with his fist, and he did not die, but he's laid up for a while, and he is able finally to get out of bed and walk on a crutch, he that smote him will be acquitted, only he shall pay for his loss of time until he is thoroughly healed. Now, if a man smite his servant or his maid and shows you what little rights the maids and servants had, if it's your servant or maid, you smite him with a rod and he dies under his hand, he shall be punished. But it wasn't capital punishment. Notwithstanding, if he continues a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is his money. In other words, if he, if he lingers before he dies, then you won't be punished because actually it's, you've lost your own money. He belongs to you. If men are striving and hurt a woman who is pregnant so that she has, uh, aborts actually the child, miscarriages, has a miscarriage, and yet no further danger or mischief follow, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he must pay whatever the judges determine. But if any further mischief follow, then you are to give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And if a man smite the eye of his servant or the eye of his maid that it perish, then he shall let him go free for his eye's sake. But this eye for eye, tooth for tooth, burning for burning, and so forth. Now, Men have begun to misinterpret this law as if someone had struck you in the eye that you have a right, not only a right, you've got an obligation to smack him in the eye. In other words, they made it an obligatory thing. You knocked out my tooth, all right, man, you've had it. i got to knock out your tooth. Tooth for tooth. And Jesus said, You have heard that it hath been said. Now, really what the Lord is doing here is limiting. Because there is a perversity about our human nature that doesn't want to just get even. We want to more than get even. It used to be when my brothers and I were growing up, scuffling with each other. You know, we'd be sort of boxing and all, and, and maybe he would catch you one. What do you want to do? You want to catch him one back just a little harder. And so many times where we started out just playing, boy, we ended up in a full-fledged fight because you keep getting harder and harder and harder and wanting to get, you know, get back at him a little more, and, and you, you start out just sort of with a game and playing, but boy, you end up really just going at it. And that is human nature. So this was to put a limitation, an eye for an eye, not two eyes for an eye. A tooth for a tooth, not three teeth for one tooth. <laughs> and so the purpose of the law was that it would not exceed but they had begun to in interpret it as an obligation. 
And so Jesus said, hey, look, I send you. If a man smites you on the one cheek, turn to the other. You know, don't seek retribution. Don't seek to get even. And so Christ gave a whole new concept to this. It isn't, I'm not under an obligation to black your eye because you blacked mine. Better to forgive. Better to pass it over. And so Christ was showing, actually, that the law was intended to curb man's spirit and to curb that spirit of retaliation, that desire to retaliate. But it had become misinterpreted by the Pharisees. Now, we deal with the, the person dealing with his servant. If he hits his servant in the eye and the servant loses the eye, the servant goes free for the eye, eye's sake. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 21 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord enrich you in all good things in Christ Jesus. May He fill you with the knowledge of His love and His grace. And may you walk in fellowship with Him. And may the Lord continue His work in your life as He draws you unto Himself, as He cleanses you through His Word, as He fits you and prepares you for that work that He would have you to do. God bless you. God strengthen you keep you ever in his love and in his will in Jesus name This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Sometimes it's difficult to know what to say or how to help someone who's going through a recent death in the family or a sudden tragedy that's happened. And it's in times like this that we want to be used by God to bring encouragement, hope, and most of all, love to our family and friends who are going through a hardship. That's why I'd like to tell you about a book by Chuck Smith called When the Storm Hits. I'm amazed when I read this book that it's able to encourage and strengthen a person and persuade them to look to Jesus and not at their problem. It encourages us to be patient 
not to lose hope, and when the storm hits, to get anchored on Jesus, the rock, and don't let go. To order a copy of Chuck Smith's book, When the Storm Hits, please call the Word for Today at 800-272-9673. Or you can visit us online to read a preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.